Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of the prophet Micah in the second chapter. We'll read verses 2 through 4 this morning. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Here ends this reading from God's Holy Word. Our New Testament reading for this morning comes to us from the Gospel according to Matthew in the second chapter. We'll hear this morning the opening 12 verses as we hear the story once again the visit of the Magi. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him, And calling together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out. And there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Here ends this reading from God's Holy Word. This year, it's kind of an odd year. Well, I guess I don't have to tell you that this is kind of an odd year. But uh, as far as the calendar goes, Epiphany this year fell right in the middle of the week. And so in order to properly celebrate the divine revelation which led the Gentiles to know the coming of the King of the Jews, we have to back up just a few days to get ourselves 
caught up. We know pretty well the story that we heard once again this morning from the opening of the second chapter in the Gospel according to Matthew. We can imagine the pageantry of this large caravan of people and pack animals trekking across the barren desert wastes guided by starlight to their destination afar off in the west. But what the Gospel account does not detail and what I would wager most of us have rarely paused to consider, is the logistical nightmare that it must have been to plan and execute this delivery of gold, frankincense, myrrh, and most importantly, homage to the king. I have enough difficulty thinking about how to pack the car for a trip to see the in-laws, which is why I usually defer and leave that to somebody else. Uh, The preparation that was required for this journey would have been daunting, to say the least, and the travel would have been harrowing. To pull this off, those who were were responsible for it, they must have thoroughly bought into their mission and been endowed by the Holy Spirit with a very generous helping of perseverance. the, The dictionary defines perseverance as persistence, or one might say continuance, in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. It means being willing to, as a boss of mine a long time ago, frequently used to like to say, press on. Perseverance is characterized by a dogged resolution with a sustained purpose over time. It's not simply being stubborn for the sake of being stubborn, as my mother often chided me. To be fair, many of the circumstances in which she perceived me to be acting in such a manner didn't seem to serve any other purpose. Once, as we were preparing to leave the celebration of a neighbor's bar mitzvah, I stepped into the mudroom where my snowsuit had been stowed after we arrived, and I announced, my legs don't wake. And then I proceeded to go limp as my father tried his best to slip my limbs into their perspective sleeves while pleading obscenities under his breath to encourage my compliance in his efforts, but none was forthcoming on my part. I was persisting in my resisting. And my distraught mom, meanwhile, tried her best impression of Jewish mothering, telling me that I was embarrassing her. But that attempt at guilting compliance also met with abject failure. For whatever reason, in that moment, I was just being stubborn. The exercise was short-lived, and it was pointless. I have chosen since to exclude from my childhood memories the immediate consequences that must have taken place either in the car on the way home or after having been stripped of the protection of the layers of winter clothing after we got back home. But I do recall that this public display of pure stubbornness which I'm sure others found somewhat memorable, was a less than stellar chapter in my childhood. 
Well, by contrast, perseverance can be an admirable quality and one which is indispensable to the Christian life, though it too comes with its consequences. This was one of the chief qualities that was on display leading up to and culminating in Epiphany. The composition of the delegation that came a calling first to Jerusalem and then on to Bethlehem was headed by wise men from the east, our reading tells us. They were emissaries of one sort or another, serving in either an official or an unofficial capacity. But we're certain that they were led by some important people of their day, and we know that they traveled some great distance. They had to have had about them a strong sense of purpose that motivated them to undertake and to see through their stretch for the their search rather for the noble newborn in other words perseverance was key even when they had arrived there in the land of the hebrews as the journey that they made had taken them first to the royal residence of herod a detour of sorts along their way to the authentic birthplace of a king, uh, they had to persevere to arrive finally at the place where the star came to rest. Some of my favorite secular musical tunes come from an album of, of Scottish ballads and reels by Brian McNeil, titled The Back of the North Wind, which coincidentally shares its name with a work of one of his countrymen produced in the 19th century by the author and theologian George MacDonald. Uh, one of the tracks on this album is entitled The Rock and the Tide. Now the whole album is a lyrical illustration of perseverance. It's a metaphor for the mythical, indomitable spirit of the Scottish people. The opening verse to this particular track speaks to the struggle of the Scottish religious dissenters, our very own theological forebears, who stood against the ruthless royal authority imposing the state religion of the English crown upon them by sword and by spear. The song starts like this. Come, all of you who lie in the prisons of the mighty, who refuse to deny what you believe. You know, your greatest foe is the servant of the night who tries to sell the bargain of reprieve. And when the captains of the cruel come to whisper their lies, let their temptations fall by your side. Listen to the ocean and remember how the rock stands firm against the tide. It was people who were like these folks and even direct descendants not far removed from these folks who first brought their preaching to our shores right here in this spot three and a half centuries ago. We know that they had to have been a hardy bunch. Like the wise men of old, they traveled from afar from the east, just as the case for all those who traveled to Bethlehem and back home again. We don't know all the names of those who came here, but we do know some. And these folks, too, were motivated by a calling of the Holy Spirit to journey on a godly mission 
undeterred by risks that were inherent on their journey, as we talked about this morning in our Sunday school lesson. They heard the call of Jesus and obeyed. But the strife that McNeil memorializes in song didn't end when Scotland's sons and daughters reached these shores. McKemming himself was arrested and imprisoned here for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the governor of New York and New Jersey considered he and his doctrines to be a threat to the temporal power of the crown. And Lord Cornbury turned out to be right about that. But thanks to his perseverance, McKemmy would help to enshrine and embody the principles of what would become the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. He and his comrades with their roots right here in this hallowed ground beneath our feet helped to blaze a trail of freedom one that spanned thousands of miles, hundreds of years, and protected the liberty of hundreds of millions of souls. It's truly astonishing, yea, miraculous, where perseverance can lead. The notion of the perseverance of the saints was an idea that would have been familiar to McKemmy and his colleagues. That term and her accompanying concept were first spelled out uh, only 30 years or so before McKemmy's birth in what's become known as the five points of Calvinism, but which really are attributed to a committee of Reformed church folks who met for a council in a place named Dort in the Netherlands. Now, this notion of the faithful in the church referred to collectively as saints, and certainly not to be confused with the Catholic notion of those superheroes of the faith, but the ordinary folks. Right? This group is simply the body of Christ. Well, paradoxically, though, the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints isn't about the perseverance of the saints. It's about the perseverance of God and His grace and mercy unto the saints. This is good reformed theology. Yes, perseverance is required, but perseverance is a gift. It comes from God's omnipotent and omnipresent hand. It is a gift so that our actions can be seen by the world. The perseverance of the saints continues, and we are continually strengthened as his children in our own walk of perseverance. Lastly, I think it's worth noting that this is this perseverance that has been given to us as a spiritual gift is one that has been given to us not simply to be used in times of distress. But it's an orientation of lifestyle. It, perseverance is a, a principle for all seasons. It can be applied and exercised equally in times of plenty and in times of want. While the global and national economy has been reeling for the last 12 months with millions out of work and 
government bailout plans continuously being crafted to prevent a bad situation from getting worse, with the toll being taken on frontline workers everywhere and main streets all over looking markedly different than they did just a year ago. In the midst of all of this, our stock markets are at record high levels. One guy, one guy, has made more than $30 billion this week. He's worth $150 billion more than at the start of this pandemic. As of this week, Elon Musk tops the list of the world's richest people, dethroning Amazon's Jeff Bezos, whose own net worth of around $185 billion is in itself incomprehensible. When this new alignment of the mega-wealthy stars was brought to Musk's attention this week, his response was, how strange, followed by, well, back to work. That's a pretty good summation of the perseverance needed for facing the new year that we have been in now for less than two weeks, back to work. So as we get back to work in 2021, not in a Tesla gigafactory assembling cars, but in the fields of the Lord, may our perseverance be renewed by the one who has fueled his saints from the beginning of their laborious journey. May his spirit of grace enable us to endure and to overcome what lies ahead as we have all that lies behind us. May we receive the strength needed to finish this race that we have been called to run, to persevere to his glory and honor after the very manner which our Lord Jesus himself persevered on our behalf against all the forces of sin and death which had held us captive. In the aftermath of the day of Epiphany, May we be encouraged to persevere in our mission of making known this God unto all the nations. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.